Wasn't that a peppy song? Amen. Yes. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, am I on? Yes? Okay. Uh, remember, we've been going through some sermonettes, and um, today I had planned to talk about the problem is the other person, which it's not. That was just the title of the sermonette, okay? <laughs> the problem is right here. It's not the other person. Uh, then I was going to talk about friendship, and then I was going to talk about hospitality. But as it turned out, once I was on friendship, it was way too long. So today we're just going to talk about friendship. If there's any time left, optimist that I am, um, then we'll talk about a little bit about the problem is the other person. That should be fairly short because the, the problem is not the other person. <laughs> They're laughing at me, folks. Remember, after the morning service, there's three activities. One is we need to have a, a, a membership meeting concerning some improvements that we need to make, that the money is there and which we just need your approval since it is, it is regular maintenance, but it requires quite a bit of money. We have the money, no problem, uh, but we just feel like that if we're going to spend that kind of money, you, you, you need to know about it. Uh, secondly, we need some help with some of the rooms that are going to be refloored over that, taking the stuff out and putting it in the fellowship hall. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow they start re, re, uh, reflooring or re- recovering or whatever you call such a thing. Uh, and then thirdly, there is the allies meeting. Uh, those who are allies, uh, that's a handful of people that need to meet together. So I would suggest that maybe we have our, our membership meeting first. It shouldn't take more than five minutes. I tell you the story, the data, uh, and, and so on, and we have a vote, and then we, we're done with it. <clears throat> and then we need some of the stronger men. You know, that, <laughs> that puts me out. But uh, some of the stronger men, uh, that if they could help. Well, there's many things to carry, so not just the heavy things, but uh, there's some heavier things that we can, ha- uh, if you can get some help from you to move those things. And we have to be careful when we move them, not to s- drag them over the floor, because you get scrapes on the floor, we, we, we don't need that. Uh, <clears throat> and then the ally meeting, uh, that will go simultaneously, I suppose. So, friendship. Woo! Um, wow. Friendship is a big thing with me. Uh, for, for many reasons. Uh, now it is because the scriptures are full of the idea of friendship and what it is about, uh, what it looks like, and so on and so forth. So just from a scriptural point of view, I, I, I'm there. But when I was 11 years old, I don't know where it came from except now I feel like the Lord, even at that age, because I feel like even when I was four years old, the Lord was doing things with me that I knew as a four-year-old that it was God. I don't know how I knew, except that God showed it to me that it was Him. Otherwise, I have no explanation whatsoever. Um, and then, when I was about 11 years old or so, um, you know, you have friends, right? In the neighborhood, you have friends. And so, as friends, we'd get together and we, we tell each other secrets. We tell each other secrets as friends. So, and, and we swore secrecy as 11-year-olds because we were friends. But when we had a spat, my friends told all my secrets to other people. <laughs> but I, as an 11-year-old kid, 
never felt that it was right for me to tell their secrets to other people. Because, one, we had promised each other that we were not going to, and two, they were my friends, even though we had a spat. So that, that, that caused in my life to look at friendship maybe a little bit different than most people look at friendship. I know this because I've talked to a, 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 a number of people concerning friendship because one sister was upset with her friend because she thought, I thought we were friends, but I haven't heard from her in a week. Excuse me. Some of my best friends, I hear from them once or twice a year. They, they live overseas, some of them. So now it's easy, you know, WhatsApp, and you can just talk to them. Poof, you push a button and you talk to them. But in times past, you had to, you know, a, a, a order a call, a long distance overseas call, and then the operator calls you back and says, hey, your call is over here. So it was not easy and it was expensive. So there's no problem to talk to your best friend, even if it's expensive. Uh, I have no problem with that. But it was not always uh, convenient because sometimes they were in Europe and their time, uh, whatever you call it, time schedule is different than ours. They are seven hours ahead. So if I'm, if I'm thinking at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to call them, then it's 11 o'clock over there at night. I don't want to call them at 11 o'clock. So there were some hindrances there, but they were still some of my best friends. No ifs and buts about it. So when I talked to this sister, I explained to her how I see friendship, and it helped her quite a bit. And uh, it was based on scripture. So there you have it. Um, so uh, everybody needs a friend. Is that a fair statement? By the amount of amens, I figured it was a fair statement. Um, I can think of no greater pauper than he who has no friend. Or she who has no friend. Um, so, there was a, a, a friend of mine called me, he says, uh, I saw on television a program, and it said that if you have one good friend in your life, you are a lucky person. They meant really blessed person, but they said lucky on the TV program because they, they can't use the right languages sometimes. Yes. Um, somebody quoted and had this quote, after the friendship of God, a friend's affection is the greatest treasure here below. And so, and so it is. And, and I, I feel that way. And I believe that a lot of people that are without friend or friends feel that way. They feel uh, like they don't have that kind of treasure in their life. I'm going to give my HOA over here when I say everybody wants to be on somebody's speed dial. Yeah, okay. He don't do speed dial anymore, but on my <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things where you, you don't have to dial the whole number, but you just push one button and they're, okay, uh, Frank, ding, hey, Frank, how are you doing? Whatever. Um, so, uh, but, but these days, on my phone, I have something called favorites. So I put their phone numbers. I don't have to look them up. I go to favorites. Ding, number five. So who do you think is number one on my favorite list? Ah, thank you. 
Number two is Joshua. Number three is Nathaniel. Hey, you're on my favorite list, all right. Not on the phone, per se, but I mean, you're on my favorite list. Yeah. Yes. And then number five is Micah. And my friend saw my favorite list, and he was number seven. He says, oh, my gosh, I'm way up there. Yeah, you're way up there. But just because you're not on my favorite list doesn't mean you're not my friend. Because I don't want to put 40 people on my favorite list. That becomes just another list. I mean, I just want uh, a dozen people or so. Um, But to... To come to a truth that many people don't know about friendship, where I'm looking from. Because typically, is this a fair statement? We are selfish people, typically. Without the Lord, for sure. But even people who have known the Lord for a long time, many of them remain selfish. Not in every aspect. But it pops up every once in a while, this selfish thing. And friendship is anything but selfish. That's what it's based upon. That is why we can be friends with God, because He he gives us everything. It is about giving His children stuff. It's not about Him getting a lot, but He likes worship and stuff. But He knows that worship is not necessarily for Him so much as that his children need to worship for them to be uh, healthy spiritually. Um, So, but have you heard of this expression? And and, and it floors me when I think about it, that dog is man's best friend. Have you heard that expression? Dog is man's best friend. And I'm thinking, oh, we are so bad that we need to learn from a dog how to be a friend. And it is funny, because it was not the dog that said so. It was man that said so. The dog didn't say, well, I'm your best friend. No, we said to him, you're my best friend. So, uh, so that gave me pause to stop and think and, and, and find out. Uh, and I'm thinking that some of the reasons are that man has not understood what friendship is. Such as, you know, I need to talk once a week with a person for them to be my friend, which is not true. Um, and I, I came to the conclusion that man has limited capacity for friendship because we are selfish. And, and uh, some of the things will become more clear to you. Uh, the thing about friendship is that it is God who initiated friendship. God not only initiated friendship, he wants friendship with us. The Bible speaks of Abraham as a friend of God. Jesus told his disciples, you're not just servants any longer. You're my friends. We'll get into that in a little bit later. One of the neat things about God is that he is on our speed dial as his children. We just 
We just have to say the word Father. And we are let through right to the throne room right now. And not just me, but every one of you. Even if we say Father all at the same time. We all get rushed to the throne room to talk with our Father. We don't have the idea of, can I take a message? Can I tell him what this is about? Uh, 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 can he call you back? There's not such a thing. Or you get a recording. If this is about healing, dial one. <laughs> if this is about money, dial two. If this is an emergency, dial zero. There's not such a thing. We have immediate access to the Father. And that to me is like humongous. Oh, I don't have access. Well, my father has passed away. But let us say my, my, uh, my father-in-law, or let's talk about a mayor, or let's talk about uh, 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 somebody else. I don't have immediate access. Even my doctor I don't have immediate access to. Well, my doctor, thankfully, I used to teach him tennis. So we have a special relationship. I got his cell phone. <laughs> and sometimes he says, when you come, don't come to the front door. You come to the back door so I can see you right now. So, okay, he's my friend. He's not just my doctor. He's my friend. Yes. So, the Bible has a lot to say about not just friends, but also so-called friends. So the Bible... You know, in Proverbs, it has a lot of to do with friends. Uh, and, and throughout the scriptures, from the Old Testament to the New Testament and so on and so forth. But uh, one proverb would say something like that. If you have a lot of money, you have a lot of friends. Those are not the right kind of friends. Those are the money friends. <laughs> yeah, they, they know you when they need some money and so on and so forth. So, uh, but we are going to concentrate here in this uh, sermon, in this session together. We're going to concentrate on the... The, the real friends, real friendship. And we're going to talk from a scriptural point of view. We're going to use some examples from scripture and learn some lessons from scripture. As you can uh, predict, I, I always like to come up with a, a definition um, on, on friendship. And, and then we'll fourthly, we talk about God's friendship, which is truly the most important one. But being people that live on earth over here, this kind of friendship, this is not the only kind of friendship that we need. We need this kind of friendship also, the horizontal kind. So, and it's usually important. It is even important between husband and wife that they are also friends. So let's look at the scriptures. And my first point is reciprocity and growth. In Proverbs 18.24, we read, and we're just going to concentrate on the A part, 24a, b, we can, we, we'll talk about some of that later. Uh, a man who had friends must show himself friendly. A man who had friends must show himself friendly. What is it saying? That if you have a friend, if you have a friend, you ought to reciprocate. Right? It should be a two-way street. We'll get to that in a little, bit, a little bit of time. We'll get to that some more. Even though it is a two-way street, it is, it is hardly ever is it 
And we're looking so much for the 50-50, but it's hardly ever 50-50. Because friendship is a journey. It's a process. Some people are immature in their friendship. Yet, when I have committed my friendship to them, I am their friend, whether they are immature in their friendship or not. That is the commitment that I make as a friend. And should, because that is the commitment that my friend Jesus, I'm saying friend, I'm not saying buddy, that my friend Jesus has made to me. That no matter how I mess up, he will still remain my friend. Hallelujah. So, when you read something like that, a man who had friends must show himself friendly, then there is three things that pop out to me. Is one, a friend is being instructed to show himself friend and to reciprocate, right? So apparently, this friend needed some instruction. Is that a fair statement? He is in Proverbs, Solomon is, is instructing a friend that says, hey, if you have friends, then you have to show yourself also friend. That's one. Secondly, uh, so he, he, he was not quite mature yet. Solomon is instructing him to grow in his uh, friendship. Hence, the title of this segment is Reciprocity and Growth. Um, Many are in need of instruction. A friend who is not experiencing reciprocity does not have the excuse to step out of that friendship. Right? In this scripture, it never is speaking about somebody getting out of the thing. It is speaking to the one that has a less mature friendship, that he should grow in his friendship and show more friends to his friends. But the one that needs to be shown reciprocity, the one that has not received reciprocity as he should, is not excused to step out of the friendship. Otherwise, it wasn't friendship in the first place. And then thirdly, obviously friendship then, if you need to grow, in your friendship, then friendship is a journey. It is a process. Just like marriage. Just like in marriage, one partner might have to grow more than the other partner. Is that a fair statement? Right? Um, in some areas, I need to grow more than Sybil needs to grow. In other areas, maybe Sybil needs to grow more than, than me. We both continually need to grow. But in some areas, maybe she has more maturity. In other areas, maybe I have more maturity. But in no wise, if she is not reciprocating with me, do I have the excuse nor the permission to step out of that friendship or in this scenario, out of our marriage? There is not such a thing. There is not such a thing with friendship. We'll come to that in just a little bit because friendship is a covenant before God. So, and then, once again, this is a, a, a maturing process. It is a, it's a journey. So, my conclusion then is, 
Reciprocity makes friendship a two-way street. But it is not required for a person to show friendship to another. Reciprocity is not required for me to show friendship to show friendship to you. It helps the friendship because it becomes more of a two-way street. It becomes more maybe of a 50-50 or 100-100 if you want to go that way. But uh, it is not required for me to show you friendship. You're quiet. You have a question on your face. So, what I'm saying is that when I have committed, how long have we worked together, Bronwyn? Over 30 years. I've worked with Bronwyn for Bronwyn is a friend. And she always shows friendship to me. But if she didn't, I would have to still, it is not a requirement for her to show friendship to me, for me to be her friend. It's not a requirement. It helps the friendship because it becomes more of a two-way street. But it's not a requirement. All I need to do is make up my mind that I'm her friend, and then I'm her friend as long as I live, because it is a covenant relationship. And you'll be my friend as long as I live. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Have I ever shown you anything but friendship? And she the same. We used to work together. She was a, a wonderful PE teacher uh, and was over several schools. So when I had my summer camp at the King's Crossing Country Club years ago, I wanted Bronwyn to be part of it because she knew a hundred times more than I did about the rules and the laws concerning the kids and so on and so forth. So whereas before she came, I was on the tennis court teaching and looking how the, the camp was, was going. When she was there, I taught my tennis lessons. I didn't even worry about the camp because it was, it was in good hands. Yes. So the, second, the next segment is called From Friend to Brother. More growth. Proverbs 17, 17 says this. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It is a misunderstood scripture, especially in King James, so I'm going to give you the Amplified Bible translation as well. The Amplified Bible says this. A friend loves at all times. Not to forget, a friend loves at all times. Right? So this is not... I have no excuse, even if my friend is not treating me right. Is that possible? And he is a friend? He is immature in his friendship. I, had a, I have a friend, excuse me, that I'm older than he is. And he was immature in his friendship. And he would say things to me that I wouldn't say to my enemy. But I had committed my friendship to him. Right? And my dear brothers and sisters, it was worth the wait. Because now his friendship is matured. And it is special indeed. Sweet friendship. Wow. 
what would I have missed if I had stepped out of that friendship? Which means that there was no friendship in the first place. But uh, So, but then the second part is, a friend loves at all times and is born as a brother for adversity. That is to say, that when there is difficulty, right, in many friendships, and that is one of the reasons why I want to teach on friendship, is because it is misunderstood. When there's difficulty, people sometimes step out of a friendship. But here it says that the difficulty is supposed to grow your friendship. There is not just a difficulty between me and Bronwyn. And we talk through it and we come to a place, okay, we're friends after all, you know, we talk through it. No, but it's also that if Bronwyn has difficulty, as a friend, I'm there for her. That's part of what it means. And so, yes, you cannot be there all the time because you have more than one friend. So if two friends need you, you can only go be at one place, right? Or if one person is far away. But if somebody would call me from overseas, I need you to come here. I'm gone. If a friend of mine calls me. Book a ticket. Um, So there then you have a friend who became... A brother. Not the brother that we are by position. Right? There is a brother in China that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my brother. We are brothers by position, but not by role. We don't don't know each other, but he's my brother. But this, this friendship thing, this is not just a brother as in he's my Christian brother. He becomes a brother that is a brother in position. He becomes my brother in role. He plays the role of a brother. He's involved in my life. And I'm in his. Friendship. Friendship. Uh, (laughs) Now, friend, that's the next title, friend before friendship. Your friend is more important than your friendship. And so hence, Solomon is teaching us. Proverbs 27, 6. He has a lot of things to say in, 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 in chapter 27 about friendship. 6, 9, 17, and so on and so forth. And he says this. And this is what probably a hard one for most friends. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. He is not asking you in any way to go wound your friend. (laughs) He is saying this, that if it takes a little pain to my friend to help him or to save him, I don't mind doing it because he is my friend. And even even though he might be a little bit immature and doesn't understand what I'm doing, even though I explain it thoroughly, then he might be upset for a little while. But all that I mean to do is for good. Such a thing happened to me. Say, uh, I played in Amsterdam. I played a tennis tournament. And one of my closest friends was, had, came from, had come from another town to, uh, to watch the match. There he comes. He's, 
We're happy to see each other, and he watches my match. And this is before I <laughs> became a believer, thank God. <laughs> but uh, I acted like a fool because I was losing. And he waited, and after the match, he waited when I was going to the locker room to change my clothes, uh, uh, to go home or whatever. My friend was there, so we probably went to get something to eat. Uh, and he said to me, man, Kenny, I, I don't recognize you. I've never seen you like this, being a bad sport like that. That was it. I hugged him and I thanked him because I knew he was my friend. He wasn't trying to hurt me. He was trying to tell me, hey, you're acting like a fool. Don't do it anymore. You're my friend. I don't want my friend to act like this. It is not in your best interest to act like this. Be a good sport. Cured me that day. Cured me. A friend. So when the wounds of a friend, the word wound means there is a little bit of pain involved, yes? The word wound means there's a little pain involved, yes? <laughs> yeah. Especially in those days, I was a prideful, whatever you call such a guy. And uh, so, it can easily get to your pride, but he was such a close friend, I swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. Because I know he loved me. And it cured me right then and there. So it was for my best interest. So that is what this thing is about. Don't go around wounding people just because you think, <laughs> I'm such a good friend. No, you know, just, just be wise. There's always wisdom involved. Um, Obviously, he corrected me in private. Proverbs 27.9 says, um, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so that the sweetness of a, of, a friend's, of a man's friend by hearty counsel, or another translation would say, from the counsel of the soul. The NIV reads like this, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. So what it says over there, that my friend's earnest counsel should be a joy to me. It should be sweet to me. Uh, I should be at a place where I, I gladly receive it because he gave me the counsel from his soul. The next section is, a real friend sharpens you. More growth. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpened iron, so a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. The, the NIV says like this, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens another. The King James used the word friend in there. The idea is quite clear. The idea is that a real friend is going to sharpen you. He's going to make you better. He's going to make you stronger. He'll be an encouragement to you. He'll be a blessing to you, a real friend. And not only that, but he will sharpen your countenance. When you have that friend near to you, or you're talking to him, your, your, your countenance lights up. You have friends like that? I have friends like that. When they call me, I light up. Friends, friends. 
I have been more than blessed by God because I have many, many good friends. Somebody says, if you have more than one friend, you don't have a friend at all. I don't buy into that whatsoever because God has a lot of friends. Um, so, no, I think you can have plenty of good friends. Show yourself friendly to them. The second main point is examples from Scripture. One of, the, of course, one of the main examples you'll ever find is in 1 Samuel 18, verses 3 and 4, with David and Jonathan. Um, David and Jonathan, they loved each other, and they knitted their souls together. It speaks there of the, the blood covenant. Uh, the description that you find over there are a couple of the first steps of the blood covenant. And then as you, as you read further on the way they treated one another, you see there was a, a significant covenant over there. They knit their souls together. In those days, you would make a little incision over here, mingle the blood together, and you may have a blood covenant. There's many things involved in the blood covenant. We, we can't go into all of them today. That's a separate teaching. Dahl in Sunday school has taught on the blood covenant. And then one Sunday night, we did it together in a Sunday night service on the blood covenant. It's a long teaching, so we're not going to go over there. But there in 1 Samuel 18, 3 and 4, you read, uh, if we have it over here, then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Why did they make a covenant? Because he loved them as his own soul. He loved them as much as himself. Yes? Is that pretty good? <laughs> I think so, indeed. Um, loved him as much as himself. There, there is something about a friendship that has that quality of loving your friend, as much as yourself. That you would... i give you an example. Can I give you an example? Then we're going to go back to David and Jonathan. Um, you, you know, we've gone through financial difficulties and stuff like that in the past. God made a promise, and he kept his promise, and thank God things are a whole lot better now. But... Uh, at one point, you, you know the story. We were over a million dollars in debt, and they didn't even have one dollar. So it's one thing to be over a million dollars in debt, but it's another thing to be a million dollars in debt and not even have one dollar. <laughs> That's like a double whammy. And God says, I'm going to get you out of debt, and he did, and so on and so forth. So I, I'm not going to go over there. But in the process, I needed to borrow $10,000 from a friend. Yes? And I say, uh, he says, of course, I'll send it to you. No, 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 no. Don't send it to me. I want you to first to check with your wife if it's okay with her because I don't want this thing to come between you and your wife. So if you have agreement, I'm in. But I told them, I want you to know up front, my friend, that I don't know when I can pay you back. It, it, it won't be in the next three or four or maybe five years before I can start paying you back. Start. Start. So I don't have $10,000 for him then, but I can start paying him back, $100, $200, whatever. And so he checked with his wife, and it was okay. And he sent me the money. And he says, if you never pay me back, that's okay. I know that if you can, that you will. But you don't have everything under control. To tell you the truth, 
he, he was partly right. I have nothing under control. <laughs> uh, and so knowing that I found myself in a difficult place, he gave me the freedom and says, if you can never pay me back, that's okay. So I feel like that he loved me like himself, that he didn't mind if I was, if I couldn't pay back this, this guy. And that's not the proof of it, but certainly it's an indication, right? It's not proof that he loved me like himself, but I took it that way. <laughs> and when you need $10,000, my friend, you'll take it that way. So, uh, and of course, over time, I paid him back. Thank God. And, and um, so, uh, so, anyways, so what was the verse? And loved him as his own soul. Verse 4 says this. And Jonathan took off his robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor and even his sword and bow and his belt. When, in those days when people were making covenant together, they, they, were, they had robes that you wore in those days, and then they would take out their, their, their outer garment. Come, Brother Lynn, would you come for a second? They would take out their outer garment, a robe, and then Lynn would place his robe on me, I would place my robe on him, and I, the significance of this is this part of the blood covenant, like Brother Royal. The part of the, the significance is that Brother... In this relationship that we're fixing to enter into, these grave and sober uh, vows that we are going to take together in this covenant making, I want you to know I come not before, for what I can get, but for what I can give. Amen. Amen. I want you to be warm. Yes. I, don't, I want you to be covered. I want you to be protected. And I'm going to be one of those that will protect you. And then the belt and the sword has to do with we exchanging weapons back and forth. That we say to each other, Brother Lynn, that we will never fight each other with weapons again. We won't fight each other at all. We're exchanging weapons indicating that together, if anybody wants to come between us, we together will fight them. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. So they made covenant together. That, 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 that is the type of thing that I, I sort of want us to understand. Yeah, even if you don't buy into it fully, that's your business. Uh, but this is what the scriptures have, are teaching us. This is what the scriptures are teaching us. So, so let me give you a quick, quick, quick recap. That is, uh, Abraham is a friend of God. God is our example. He's the giver. Friendship is a covenant for life. Keep covenant. Keep the covenant. It is not a 50-50 thing. Not necessarily a a two-way street. Keep growing in friendship. The next uh, title is, oh, yeah, I think I should make it, maybe. The next title is that Jesus calls his disciples my friends. John 15, 13 says that greater love has no man than this, than he who lays down his life for his friend. So he who lays down his life for his friend. Later on, we'll see in 15, we'll see that he, he makes it a little bit clearer. But here he's t- speaking about the fact that they are his friends and that there is no greater love that you can show a friend, ultimately, than that you give your life, you lay down your life for him. Now, that doesn't mean that you take the bullet for him. Though, you would, unless you're on crack or something, 
then you, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't protect your friend, but otherwise you protect your friend. You protect your wife. But what Jesus is speaking over here, that ultimately he was going to give his life for his disciples, but what he was also doing is, on a daily basis, he was laying down his life to work with his disciples. In other words, when it concerns me and Sybil, on a daily basis, I lay down my life for her. I prefer her. I put her first. I'm laying down my life. If I take the bullet, I can only do that once. Then I lay down my life and it's over. So it is, not, it is more on a consistent daily basis that Jesus is speaking of over here. That you lay down your life for your friend. You lay down your life for your wife. You lay down your life. You prefer them. You, you, you'll go without something to help them out. Lay down your life. And Jesus says, okay, you're my friends. So I'm laying down my life for you. I put you first in a sense. Uh, I have your well-being in mind. Even if ultimately it is going to cost me my life. And so therefore, the cross is the ultimate friendship. The cross is the ultimate friendship. Then I come to my definition of friendship. It is a, a little vague because I use the word friendship in the definition, and the friendship covers all the things that we have talked about and then some. So you have to just keep that in mind. It's hard to make a definition, you know, two pages long. Uh, so in the definition, you try to be as short as possible and, but, and still portray uh, the, the meaning. So my definition is, a friend bestows unending, unconditional, sacrificial friendship to others. And that word friendship over there has to do with the things that we have already talked about. It is unending because it is a covenant relationship. It is unconditional. It is sacrificial. These words I've put in there for emphasis, but just to know that without those words, we don't have friendship. We could have an acquaintance. We could have some sort of relationship, but friendship is deeper than that. I'm talking scriptures. Because these things, as unending, unconditional, and sacrificial, are inherent to and inclusive in friendship. I'm going to give you a big recap real quick. Then we go to God's friendship. So, not necessarily a two-way street. It is not a 50-50 proposition. The word friendship includes all the attributes that we've talked about. Uh, encouragement for reciprocity. Friend before friendship. Friend's earnest counsel is sweet to you. A real friend sharpens you. A real friend is selfish, loves you, is a giver. You're making covenant together. And the last section has to do with the fact that Jesus says to his disciples, I don't call you servants any longer. I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know the master's business. But I've told you everything that the father has told me. I have told you. No secrets between us. 
No secrets between us. So, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his master doeth. That is John 15, 15. But I have called you friends. For all things that I've heard of my father, I have made known unto you. No secrets. Although God already knows your secrets, he still loves to hear them. Because he loves that intimate time with you. Because friendship is intimate. But guess what? God wants to tell you his secrets as well. He wants to spend that intimate time telling you the secrets of life, the secrets of living victoriously, the secrets of his kingdom. He loves that time with you. Just visiting. God would say to you, hey, Kenny, we got to talk. Do you talk with him? Then quickly we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. We look at that real quick and then uh, we'll be done. And check me out. Oh, ooh la la. Still have time to spare. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Check it out. This is verse 9. So, when I read something like that, I'm thinking to myself, well, some people have not seen yet what God has for them. Some people have not heard yet what God has for them. Some people, have, it has not entered in their heart what God has for them. Otherwise, this verse, this verse would be meaningless. Some people are not there yet. Well, unbelievers for sure not. But even believers, they haven't come to a place where they are checking out with the Holy Spirit about the Father. Because the Holy Spirit knows the deep secrets of God. So it goes on, verse, verse 10 says then this. I, but God has revealed them to us. To us. Through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yea, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit is going about and He's searching for the deep things of God and He wants to share them with you. My dear brothers and sisters, he doesn't want you just to float around. <laughs> I'm a Christian. <laughs> no. He wants to share some things with you that put you on a whole different level, spiritually speaking. You're not going to uh, get maybe a better place in heaven or make more money or whatever, but you'll have a spiritual power because you have visited with God. And His Holy Spirit is showing you some things that otherwise you wouldn't know. It is not necessarily that He is showing you uh, uh, how many heavens there are, like Paul and, 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 and all those type of things. He is showing you some of these little secrets that have to do with, and not, 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 just, not just, just that, but some of the things that He's showing you is the secrets of 
you find yourself in a bind. And he says, I want to show you how to get out of that bind. You find yourself in a place where you cannot forgive. And he wants to show you, hey, if you come to me, I'll show you how to forgive. You find yourself in a place where you can't trust him. And he says, we need to visit. I need to show you a few things. So at least lean toward me. If you lean to me, I'll take it from there. This is part of what I'm talking about. That's not all that I'm talking about, but this is part of what I'm talking about. So that we might have lives here on earth that not only reflect the king of our kingdom, but that also reflect how to live in this kingdom. The life that we should live as people of the kingdom of God. And he wants to show us. He wants to teach us. He wants to visit with you, Sherry. I know you visit with him. Yeah. And he goes on to say, because, in, in verses 11 and so, he says, because, hey, if I want to know Herman, I, 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 I don't talk to Nicholas about Herman. I'll know a little bit about him, but I won't get to know him. If I want to know him, I talk with him. Because who knows him better than him? <laughs> I tell you, he, he might not have told her all the secrets yet. I don't know. So, there is some secrets that God wants you to know about. So, he says, don't go look somewhere else. Talk to my spirit. He'll show you some things about the kingdom and about how this thing is done. Because I know, and I'm, 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 I'm sort of closing. I'm sort of closing. <laughs> I always leave myself a way out. <laughs> but I know so many people, right? So many people. L- let me just put it this way. Mangoes. You like mangoes? You know, mango is the most eaten fruit in the world. The most eaten fruit in America is bananas. But mangoes in the world. And I love mangoes. So, so you have people that love mango like me. And they like to have mango. But what they plant is lime seeds. That's one thing. That you want mangoes, but you plant lime seeds. But then the, the thing that perplexes me is, they are surprised that they get limes. <laughs> I wanted mangoes. No, if you want mangoes, you plant a mangoes seed. 
So this is part of the part of the idea. And he says it very plainly in the book of Galatians. You're gonna sow what you reap. A very simple principle of the kingdom. That if you sow to the flesh, you shall reap from the flesh corruption. That means rottenness. When you sow to the flesh, my dear brothers and sisters, let me, let me make it clear to you. Nothing good comes out of that. A lime would taste good to what comes out of the flesh. Compared to, to, to what comes out of the flesh. But certainly if you want mangoes, if you want to have a life that tastes good, that is good, that has an experience of godliness, you need to plant to the Spirit. And then you shall reap from the Spirit life eternal through Jesus Christ. And that life eternal starts right now when you get saved. You don't have to wait. And that is the life that He wants us to live. He wants the people to know that we are his friends. He wants people out there to know in the restaurant, at the bank, (laughs) even in traffic, okay? (laughs) He wants people to know that you are his friends. Friendship, my dear brothers and sisters, is a most wonderful thing in life. And a most wonderful experience in life. I have experienced many friendships. And they have and are a joy to my life. And that's what God means for it to be. Especially, but not exclusively, friendship with him. Let us stand.